We're entering into our Advent series and season. And so for a lot of us, Advent is kind of a strange thing. Some of you even came out of a Catholic background and feel like, oh, that's kind of a Catholic-y type of thing. Well, Advent, as we, again, we've already mentioned, it just simply means uh, looking forward to somebody notable coming. Like that's the Advent of the, that we think about, that Jesus came and he had his original Advent. But in this season, it's even more than that because we not only think about his original Advent, the first Advent of his coming, 2,000 years ago, but we long for and look forward to his second coming, his second advent. And so today we're going to start with discussing or talking about the topic or the idea of hope. And there's a couple of different components to that that I think is really important for us. One is to be mindful of what we hope for, but also what we hope in. Those are two very different things, what we hope for and what we hope in. But I think it's a good way for us to start at least thinking about the definition of hope. Hope simply means this. It's a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. So let me read it again. It's a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. So think about that in terms of hope. I remember a Christmas a long time ago. I'm not sure how old I was. I don't know if it was like fifth grade, sixth grade, but it was in those days where I used to get up every Saturday morning and spend a lot of time watching Saturday morning cartoons. Anybody remember that? If you got up early and watched Saturday morning cartoons, I know that's not like a thing anymore. Some of y'all are too ashamed to admit it. I got up early and watched hours of Saturday morning cartoons, and, and it was just a fun thing to see. But in that season of life for me, there was this real particular season I remember where every time you watched one of those cartoons or one of those shows, there'd always be a skateboarder. And I don't remember if you remember that, whether it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Tony Hawk was in like all the commercials and Tony Hawk, the you know, professional skateboarder was like turned into cartoon and was put into all the cartoons. And man, I, I just was so excited. I loved that idea and loved watching it. And as I watched all of that and I saw it on TV, what it started to do in me was kind of build into me kind of this hope for something in particular. And it was that, man, you know what? If I learned how to skateboard, if I learned how to be able to like fly through the air on those ramps like Tony Hawk and do all those cool moves, like I could have the same kind of thrills in life and people would look at me and, and, and think, oh man, like he's really cool. He's rad to use some of those language back in the day, like rad. I, I don't know if kids use that anymore, but like rad, like I, would, I wanted to be rad and I want everybody to think I was rad. And so I asked for a skateboard for Christmas. Like I wanted a skateboard for Christmas. So my hope, I had a hope for this kind kind of life, but I hoped in a skateboard to bring that about. And so I longed for it. I waited for it. And I kept looking for that Christmas tree or that Christmas present underneath the tree that was shaped like a skateboard. And it never came. But then Christmas morning came and it was there. And me and my brother both got a skateboard. His was like this weird yellow. Mine was like a sweet purple skateboard with a land shark on it. It was awesome. And, and, And let me just tell you, my hopes were very, very quickly dashed. I realized real fast there was no flying through the air, at least not the way they did it. Like there was flying through the air, but without my skateboard, more sliding on the concrete for me. Um, I didn't get any of like the oohs and the ahs from the people around, except more like, ooh, that must hurt. Like that was my experience with skateboarding. It didn't last very long. Like, like skateboarding kind of dashed that hope for me. And so it ended up in a closet or in the garage now here's the thing, I say that, that's kind of a funny story and it's a reality of the story, but, but what we hope for often is determining what it is that we put our hope in. So even if you think about the Jews in the first century when Jesus came, when he was born 2,000 years ago, they had a hope for some very specific things to happen through the Messiah. 
They hoped for a Messiah to come, a king to come, a Christ to come. And their hope would be, and their hope was, that he would establish an earthly kingdom, that he would throw off Rome and he would bring up Israel and make Israel a nation like they were back in the days of David, like kind of on top of the world. That was what they hoped for. Now, some of the people, when Jesus came onto the scene, began to hope in Jesus that he would bring about that hope. Even his disciples continued to believe that and kind of hope for that. And so when he died, some of them were very disappointed. In fact, we have a text that reminds us or shows us the disappointment of two of his disciples as they're telling them all that they've witnessed, and they don't even realize they're speaking to Jesus because he's hidden that from him. But listen to what they say in Luke 24. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, he was a man, prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers, they delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped. You hear that? That's past tense. We had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. They're talking about Jesus in the past tense. They're talking about what they thought was going to be the case, right? They had hoped for this earthly kingdom to be set up, and they'd put their hope in Jesus for that. And when he's crucified, they feel like that's not going to happen. The point is that their hope had been in the right person, but with the wrong expectations. They'd hoped for the wrong thing. There was a false hope that had driven it, and it ultimately led them to disappointment. If our hope is in the right outcome, it's in the right thing that we hope for, it helps us to have clarity as to what objects to put our hope in, and that's going to be reflected in our lives. That's what I want to talk about for us this morning. So turn with me to Titus chapter 2. We're going to be reading Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. I actually want to go ahead and invite Sean back up. She's going to read for us out of this text of Scripture. And if you would, please stand with me if you're able, out of respect for God's Word. If this is new to you, this is something we do as just a show of respect and understanding of what God's Word is for us as His people. So again, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Sean? For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Church, hear the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Every week, we are privileged to be able to come and to be able to gather as your church, as your people, as your ecclesia, your your called out ones, and, and to fix our eyes upon your word, which you've given to us, you've revealed to us for our good, for our rebuke, for our correction, as you seek to lead us into life. And as we talk about hope this morning, Lord, I know that there is a lot of other hopes out there. There's a lot of other things that promise us hope. And, and I also know that there's a lot of those things that are in our lives, oftentimes we don't even see, we don't even recognize. Lord, my prayer this morning is that in spite of me as a weak vessel, that you would help through your word us all, as your sons and your daughters, to, 
to truly see the hope we have. To understand what hope we should, uh, what, what our hope should be for, but also what our hope should be in. And our Lord, I pray that you just open our eyes to that, that you'd help us to see it, that we wouldn't be deceived and we wouldn't be seduced by the hopes of this world. Well, that's my prayer. I ask that you would lead us in that, that you would guide us in that, that you would go before us in that. And I pray all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. In this text, we see what we are to hope for, and we also see what we are to hope in. And we also see in this text what that kind of a life, what the result, uh, the, the, the lifestyle that that should result in, in our lives with a correct hope. I want you to look again at Titus chapter 2, verse 11. We just read it. It says this, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That's what we hope for. That's what that manger represents for us in Christmas time. Like that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all. What does that mean? That the unmerited favor of God has come to bring us salvation, to come and to redeem us, to come and reconcile us. That is the hope of Christmas. All of the other hopes are not important. That is what we are to hope for. But again, as we already said, early on, even for those early disciples, that wasn't what they were hoping for. They were hoping for an earthly king, an earthly kingdom to be set up over Rome. And so the object of their hope had to be some military leader that Jesus wasn't. And so they were disappointed. But Paul reminds us this is what our hope should be for. And this is so important because part of what Paul is alluding to here in Titus is that your life is going to be fueled by your hopes. They're going to drive us as we wait for those hopes to come about. In fact, a worldly life is really just fueled by lots of different false hopes. We see this every day. We see it every day work itself out in the news. We see it every day work itself out in our own hearts. We see it every day work itself out in our family members, in non-believers. We see it every day work itself out all around us. I want to help illustrate this. And for those of you who know, when I say I want to help illustrate something, I actually mean I'm going to illustrate. I'm going to draw. And so here is Herbert. It's been a while since you've seen Herbert. Uh, for those of you who have been around for a while, this is Herbert. This is my uh, stick figure that I use to help us illustrate certain things. But I want you to imagine Herbert. Now, he's going to go about his life just like the rest of us do. And he has thousands of different hopes. Uh, day in and day out. Some of those are really short-term hopes. Some of those are, are really long-term hopes. Now you think about what those hopes look like. For Herbert, for most of us, typically our hopes have to do with some kind of like perfect image of life. It, it's, it's this idea that we all recognize that we're here in this moment of our lives and that if things just got a little bit better in this way or that way or any kind of different way, then we might be able to get to this part of our life, right? Like the, the, the sunset, driving off into the sunset, like the perfect life, the good life, the utopia, removal of all of these challenges that are in our lives. Now, this, this looks different for a lot of different people, like in a lot of different seasons of our life. Like this looked really different for me as a young kid hoping for that skateboard, right? But just using that as an analogy, using that as an example, what if Herbert was me? There's that purple skateboard. It's pretty legit. So what is Herbert hoping for? Herbert is hoping for, like, value. He's hoping to be seen. He's hoping to have the thrills of life. Like, he recognizes, my life is here, but if I could just get this, it would be here. It would be awesome. And I don't really know how to do that, so I'm watching TV, or Herbert's watching TV, and he sees somebody running around on a skateboard and everybody's, he, it looks like he has it. 
And so then he puts his hope in the skateboard. The hope because the skateboard becomes the object of his hope. Man, if I just get the skateboard, the skateboard will be the vessel to get me from here to here. And the reality of it is we all have this. We all live this every day, all kinds of different ways, and whether they're short-term or long-term. Again, whether they're young kids or old kids or whatever the age it is, but we recognize this because at some level, we all understand that this world is broken, don't we? Like We all understand that if we could get things just a little bit better, then, then things might be good for us. And we all have that longing in us. And we see this play itself out all the time. And it's hope because it's not realized. Like we have this vision of life. Man, if we just get to that, but we have no real proof that it's ever actually available, do we? Like you watch stars or you watch things on TV and think, oh yeah, yeah, that, that's going to get me that. But you have no real proof that it's ever going to get there for you. And you never have any real proof that the thing that you're hoping in can get you from where you are to where you want to be. That's what hope is. In some respects, that's what, what faith is. But Herbert, he hopes for that skateboard. And if that skateboard doesn't, doesn't provide what he hopes for, then it becomes disappointed. But that's the thing he has to pursue. The truth is, we all hope for things. We hope for things to become a little bit better. And we see it play itself out all over. Let me just kind of help us to see how this is all over our inner culture. So let's say you're a person in the culture and you feel repressed and you feel like things are hard and you feel like you're not able to just be who you are and you feel like, man, like the reason I'm not happy, the reason that I don't have this sunset experience is because there's people around me keeping me from being able to live the way I want to live. Right? And so the hope becomes that if you can just remove the shackles from your life, like, like if you, you just let people just let you be who you are and celebrate who you are, man, if that happens, then I'm going to be able to get my heaven on earth now. Like everything's going to be better for me. And maybe that's not you. Maybe, maybe you look at that world and you think of it in terms of government. Maybe you think, man, like our government's a mess. Our government's a mess and it's not providing the kind of country we want to live in, the kind of lifestyle we want to live in. You know what? My hope is for a government that would provide this and this and this and this, whatever that is for you. And so you then hope for it. And you put your hope in a better government. You put your hope in a better senator, in a better representative, in a better president, as if any of them are actually going to be able to bring about the kingdom in which you desire. See what happens? What you hope for, then you put your hope in something to try to bring you to that place. So maybe it's not government. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's, maybe it's sex. Maybe you see all the stuff on TV and you see people walking around in kind of this licentious lifestyle, hookup culture. And you're like, man, they seem so happy. They seem like they found their sunset. If I could just get that sunset, man, like that's, that's going to get me there. And so you now put your hope in those kinds of relationships and you start to pursue it with your life. Maybe it's not relationships. Maybe it's not sex. Maybe it's substance abuse. Now, life is just kind of drab. Man, when I see those commercials, though, and everybody's, like, drinking beer, and they're all partying, and everybody's laughing and dancing, and it's awesome. It's like a big rave, and, man, that's the life. I want to get that life. And so my hope now to get that life becomes, man, I'll just go get me some beer, and I'll go to the party just like everybody else, and I start to abuse that. And you know what's crazy is you start to engage it, and it kind of makes everything colorful for a while, and then it depresses everything. 
You put your hope in something and then it comes out and seems to not be the case. Well, maybe it's not substance abuse. Maybe it's education. You know what? My life's just not fair. I grew up in a place I didn't have opportunities. But if I could just get an Ivy League education, if I could graduate from Harvard, if I could be a scientist or an engineer, man, I, I could go live in Wilson Estates too. And man, then that's my sunset. Right? And so you begin to pursue and you put your hope in education. And so you drive yourself and you strive and you try to get scholarships and all these different things trying to bring about your hope. Maybe it's not education. Maybe it's economics. And it, if we could just get more welfare, that'll bring about a state where everybody's happy. Everybody's good. Everybody's got what they need, and life will just be fantastic. Man, the whole country, we're just going to end up being in our utopia, won't we? Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's influence. That's my version of a YouTube. I don't even know if that's influence, but nonetheless. like, Maybe, maybe you just think, I see people, everybody listens to this guy or to that guy. Man, if I just had that, if everybody listened to me and wanted to hear my opinions and my voice, then like that would be the sunset for me. Like That's what I hope for. And so I'm going to put my hope in influence. and I'm going to try to gain it. I'm going to do all that I can to pursue that. This is all over our world, isn't it? It's all over the place. The world's full of these false hopes. It's full of this promise that, man, we can just get heaven here. You know why? Because eternity is written upon every single one of us, and we all want it. And we all know this isn't heaven. Have you ever had to convince somebody of that? Hey, oh, you think this is heaven? Oh, well, have you ever broken a leg? Like, you don't have to convince people this isn't heaven. We all know this isn't heaven. And if you're five and you still think your life is heaven, just wait. Maybe wait for this Christmas when you don't get what you want under the tree, right? Like, just wait. Like, this world is full of brokenness and everybody knows it. And eternity is in all of us. And so we all, at some level, are looking for heaven here, right now. And the world is always pressing to us the false hopes in objects or systems that might lead us to pursue these things. And for us, it then becomes by all means necessary, doesn't it? Like this explains so much about the world in which we live. This explains so much about the ungodliness we see in our world, the pursuit of passions. They're all driven based off of false hopes. It's why we see everywhere division, enmity, and strife. Why? Because if your hope for a utopian heaven is in a government that provides everything to the welfare or to the poor, and that's your way to get there, but someone else's hope for this perfect world and kingdom here is that people learn to work, you're going to have conflict. And you can't let go of your hope, can you? Like you got to pursue that hope. you got to drive into that hope. This is what explains zealous like, uh, people out on the sidewalk like, holding signs, activists. This what explains them. They believe they know how to bring about their heaven here. They believe they know how to bring about their moments to get from here to there. And they think we're all wrong or everybody else is wrong and they have to pursue their way. It's what explains the addict that's in your household or on the streets. Like they're just trying to pursue what they hope for and they're trying to pursue what they hope in. Paul is pointing to the right and the true hope because he knows that false ones they only lead to slavery and death 
chaos and anarchy. And sadly, the worst part, further separation from the God that we were made to be with. So what is our hope? Well, again, Titus chapter 2, verse 3. We are to be waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. We are waiting for our blessed hope. And who is our blessed hope? Jesus. The appearing again of the glory of our great God because he's already appeared once, hasn't he? He's already appeared once. And as Christians, Jesus becomes both what we hope for and what we hope in, doesn't he? At least he's supposed to. He's supposed to be both what we hope for and what we hope in. Jesus corrects what we hope for. It's not here in this life. It's not a heaven now. At least not fully. It's something to come, but it's even more than that. It's eternal life. See, Herbert's sunset needs to change. John 17 says this, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the one only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And what I love about this text, it's a reminder for me all the time. It doesn't say, and this is eternal life, that you have heaven. And that's awesome. This is eternal life that all your suffering goes away. I mean, that's awesome. That's our inheritance. And this is eternal life that you get a new earth. That's awesome. And this is eternal life that you get to meet the loved ones that have gone on before you. That's awesome. But that's not what this verse says. It says, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Like That's eternal life. This is eternal life. Our hope is to be in his presence The four of our hope is knowing God, the Almighty One, the object to get us there is Jesus. So we put our hope in Jesus, who, by the way, is God among us, so that He can bring us to God the Father in presence. This is an amazing component for us. Jesus is both the sunset and the skateboard. And if anybody like puts that online without context, it's going to be bad. <laughs> but, but isn't that true? Like Jesus is both the sunset and the skateboard for us. He's what we hope for. I want to see him more. I want to be more in his presence. I can't wait to be experience the new heaven and the new earth with him. But he also becomes what we hope in because it's only in him that we can gain that. And he's the way, the truth, and the life to get us there. Amen? Like in someday, he's going to appear again. And our hope be realized. And what Paul is telling us in this is that just like earlier, as we saw that worldly hopes or false hopes leads to worldly lifestyle, true hope, correct hope, leads to this pursuit of true life in him. True life in him. Go back to Herbert. His end goal is no longer heaven now. It's salvation. It's the new earth. It's with Jesus. Jesus becomes the sunset. But even more than that, as I've already said, Jesus is the way to get there. So now our pursuit in life is anything and everything that will get us more of him now. Anything that will get us more of him now. 
And anything that might separate us from him or break that relationship with him or keep us from seeing him more clearly, man, we want to throw that junk off. Because he's the one we zealously pursue. In him and for him. Like, that's everything. That's our hope. He is everything. The problem is, this is a very, very different vision of life than the world has, isn't it? This is a really different vision of life than the world has. And I think, sadly, a lot of Christians, including myself at times, we continue to hold on to the false hopes of some desired outcome that this life we can ultimately make better and that that's the goal. Bigger houses, less stress, more money, more travel, better relationships, more respect, more influence, more comfort, more ease, more peace, more joy, more this, more that. And sure, heaven's nice, but man, can't I have heaven and this world? Like, like, can't I have heaven and pursue all of that stuff as a primary goal of my life? I don't think that we can. Because look what happens. And again, illustration-wise, what ends up happening to us is we end up with two different hopes, one for this world and one for the next. Or worse, we merge the two together, Right? And so what happens then is then, then you kind of have this belief that I, I do have heaven and heaven's all taken care of for me, but I'm also kind of promised or I can also gain this kind of heaven now moment where I can move everything from where it is now to where it is and we add Jesus as the tool to get us there. All right, so man, my marriage is hard and it's difficult. You know what? I have a hope for a better marriage, and so I think Jesus can get me there. Now, is that true? Yes. But is that your whole, should that be your end hope? No. Or you start to think, well, you know what? Jesus loves me so much, he doesn't really care about what I do with my life, and so uh, he, he already bought heaven for me. He redeemed me for heaven, and he wants me to have my best life in this world right now. He wants me to have heaven here, and so why, why shouldn't I just give in to all of my passions? Why shouldn't I just pursue everything else that the world pursues? Why shouldn't I just watch all the things that the world watches? Why shouldn't I spend my money the way the world spends my money? God, Jesus already paid for my salvation, right? Like, he cares. That's what he loves me for. And we can kind of get this weird merged religion that says that Jesus is looking for not only our best life in eternity, but he wants to give it to us now. You know what the problem with is with that? The scripture. He never promised it. He never promised it here. In fact, according to Jesus, much of what the world hopes for is going to be taken from us or we're going to have to lay down to find him. Let me say that again. Much of what the world hopes for is going to be taken from us or is going to have to be voluntarily laid down to follow Jesus. Jesus says this in, in, in these types of terms. If you want to follow me, pick up your cross. Those who would save their lives are going to have to lose their lives. The text we read in, in Titus today said we have to renounce our worldly passions See, for anybody in this world who wants heaven now, like you can't renounce worldly passions because it's your worldly passions that gets you heaven now. Just watch any, car, or any of the commercials on TV today when you're watching a football game. See what hopes they're pressing you towards. Like we can't have both. It matters. Because you can't live your life 
for both hopes. You can't pursue both hopes. Now, I want to be clear. I am not saying that the things in this world are all bad. That's, that's not at all what I'm saying. Let me even be more clear, so just so you understand. Like, I have a nice house. I, like, let me just be more clear. Like, my house is nicer than probably about 7 billion other people's houses on this planet. I'd say it's a pretty nice house. I don't know how it matches up to all yours are, but nonetheless, like, compared to most people, it's a nice house. I got two cars. I got a TV. I have internet. I'm going to be able to watch the Chiefs on my TV kick the Rams' butts today. So I'm pretty sure I'm not supposed to say that, but it came out. My wife is going to be mad at me later. Um, so, but you said, like, 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 that stuff's not bad. Like, I don't feel guilty for having two cars. I don't feel guilty for my home. But brothers and sisters, our hope shouldn't be in any of that stuff. Or we shouldn't be in any of that stuff. In fact, by taking our hopes off of that stuff, we actually get to enjoy that stuff the way God intended us to enjoy that stuff. Listen, there was never anything wrong with the skateboard that I wanted, was there? There wasn't anything wrong with being excited to get a skateboard underneath the Christmas tree as a little kid and, and want to play with that and enjoy a good gift that my mom and dad gave to me. There was never a problem with that. The problem was that I put my hope in it to bring about some vision of life for me that it might bring about. I, I made it bear the weight of a hope that it could never bear. The problem is not the skateboard. The problem is my hope. Had I been able to rest in God's love of me, in the fact that God sees me, in the fact that God values me, and the fact that God has a purpose for me, and that living in accordance to God's will and God's ways, there's all kinds of thrills that are way better than soaring through the air on a ramp. Had I bought into that vision of the hope that he gives to me, then I wouldn't have been looking for the skateboard to fulfill a hope in me to be popular or to be cool or to give me the thrills of life. Like I could have just enjoyed the thing. I could have just enjoyed it. Maybe it wouldn't have ended up in the closet so fast because I could just enjoy it. I mean, this happens to us all. And we all just sat around meals and tables and we ate turkey and we sat in homes and with our family and our friends. But don't you feel the same sense inside of you to watch on TV the perfect vision of a house or a table and be like, man, if my house just looked like that, if my Thanksgiving meal looked like that, if my turkey looked like that, man, my, my peace would be present. Everything would be fantastic. And we end up losing the ability to enjoy what God has given to us because we're so busy putting our hope in for something better. Anybody else? Am I the only one? Surely I'm not. Maybe it's not turkey. Maybe it's ham. Maybe, I don't know what it is for us. But we all do that, right? Like this is part of the way we all live our lives. And again, there's nothing wrong with that stuff. But we can't put our hopes in it. And Jesus never promises it. And Jesus never says, hey, like, if you do all this stuff, I'm going to guarantee you all this stuff in this world. Jesus has already given us the greatest gift we could ever have, which is the unmerited favor of God. He's already given us salvation. This is a subtle thing. But the goal of the enemy is to get us to fix our eyes here, in this place, always hoping for heaven now. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. This is all going to go away. 
This is all going to pass away, and I'm going to give you heaven then, so pursue me. Renounce those worldly pleasures. Be zealous for good works. You see how in Titus it even see, it helps us see our lives? Like, man, like, be zealous for good works. We have this stage split this way because Christmas, at this time of year, it's easy for us to miss so much of that the world is trying to get us to buy into, to engage in, to base our hopes upon, to get this or to that, or to make our house look like, like this. And, and this is, for some of us, this is easily attainable. For some of us, this is what your house, already, my house already looks a lot like this. I mean, our Christmas house, our tree is up. For some of y'all, this isn't even attainable, and that's okay. But Christmas, all around us, it's, it's constantly telling us, like, man, better life, better life, better life, get this, buy this, go here, do this, have these people around, make this happen. You'll find peace, you'll find joy. It's all going to be found in this stuff. And this is all false hope. None of it's bad unless you put your hope in it. Then it's bad. Because it's going to distract you from the true hope that we have in Christ. And man, it's subtle. And this sneaks up on me before I ever even realize what's happening inside of my soul. I feel it in the discontentment. I feel it in the disappointment. I feel it in the frustrations that come. You want to know whether you're putting your hope in the wrong thing? Look at your frustrations. Look at your disappointments. Look at your, 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 the longings of your heart. They illuminate a lot. Look at what you're pursuing in your life. Again, none of this is bad, but Jesus is our hope. You're never going to have heaven here because here is broken. One day he's going to fix it. But knowing, seeing, and being near the Father, then that's our hope. And Jesus can fix it. And Jesus is our hope. And he helps eradicate and take away all of our hope, false hopes so we can actually even live in this life. But, but this vision of hope is very counterintuitive to our world and culture. This vision of hope says, die to yourself. This vision of hope says, man, just give to yourself. Pursue the world. A prayer for all of us this Christmas season, including myself, is that we'll look to Jesus as our sure hope. He is sure because he raised from the dead. He's sure because he raised from the dead. Without the cross and the tomb, we wouldn't be celebrating the manger. Our hope is sure because he raised from the dead. He is sure because he's promised to come again. Our hope is going to appear in body, in person, in glory. Amen? It's sure. He is sure because he lives. He is sure because he sits upon the throne. Where's your hope? There's an old Stephen King film called The Shawshank Redemption. I don't know how many of you have seen it. I don't necessarily suggest it unless you've got like some sort of a filtering device on you, whatever. But uh, when I was in college, it was on TNT every single time I turned TNT on. Um, I would come home late from my friends, and I'd be like, oh, I want to watch some TV and flick it on Shawshank Redemption. There it is, every time. Um, and so anyway, the, the story of Shawshank Redemption is the story of Andy Dufresne, who is, he is um, 
basically accused of murdering his wife, and he gets up and put in prison, didn't do it. He's falsely accused, ends up in prison, and his prison experience, let's just say it's not good, it's really bad. And the whole movie is about that. But in that process, he meets this guy in the prison named Red, and it's played by Morgan Freeman, and that becomes like his, his buddy in prison, and just kind of walks through this whole process. And at one point in the film, Andy Dufresne is actually put into solitary confinement. And when he gets out of solitary confinement, he's sitting down at the table with all of his prison buddies. And they're all like, oh, man, like, are you okay? Like, that's the hardest time you have to ever serve. And Andy was like, oh, no, no. It was like, it was the easiest time I ever served. And they're like, what? And Andy goes on to tell him, he says, it's because I hold on to the beauty outside of these gray walls. And he said, that's something that this place can never take away. It's hope. The expectation that there's life beyond those walls. And Red, in that moment, looks at Andy and with anger, he says, let me, let me tell you something. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. It's got no use on the inside. Years later, in a movie, Andy escapes. And he leaves Red a note and knowing that Red's going to get out of prison one day and says, hey, come find me in this place, whatnot. And, and so Red gets out and as he's about to go find his friend, he, on his journey, he says this. I'll just quote the line. If I can find it. <laughs> Our journey has a conclusion. Yeah, there you go. Um, I gotta find it here. Well, if I knew the, the line, I would just quote it here, but, oh, there it is. All right, sorry. This is what he says. He says, I find that I am so excited that I can barely sit still or hold a thought in my head. I think it's the excitement that only a free man can feel, a free man at the start of a long journey whose conclusion is uncertain. I hope that I can make it across the border. I hope that I can see my friend, shake his hand. I hope that the Pacific is as blue as it has been in my dreams. I hope. And I hear that statement, and I hear that statement of hope that Red has. He hopes for this beautiful life now that he's out of prison, and he hopes he's going to find it in his friend, and he hopes he's going to find it in freedom. He hopes he's going to find it in the Pacific. Here's what he's saying. All that's going to fail him. But one thing that Red has that I think is so important that he says in that statement. He says, I find that I'm so excited that I can barely sit still or hold a thought in my head. Do you feel that way about your eventual homecoming with Jesus? I feel so excited that I can barely sit still or keep a thought in my head because of the hope that I have in Jesus. Our journey, it has a conclusion. It has a sure conclusion, and it's in him. And I wanna live my life. I want my kids to live their lives. I want everyone in this space to live their life with the kind of hope where they are so excited that they can hardly sit still or hold a thought in their heads because we know that Jesus gave himself up to redeem us. We know that we will see him again in all of his glory. I hope that I can endure to the end. Do you? I hope that I can renounce the worldly passions and ungodliness of this age that are constantly trying to pull me away from him. Do you? I hope that his glory is as awesome 
as Ezekiel said it was, and Isaiah said it was, and John said it was. I hope that his presence is as satisfying to my soul as he's promised it to be. I hope that he will deal with sin and death. I hope to hear the power of his voice that is like the rolling thunder and the waters of the ocean, the voice that can level mountains. I hope to hear his voice say, well done, good and faithful servant. I hope. I hope in those things. All of this other stuff is going to fade and all of it's going to fail us. So as we close our time this morning, I want to just ask the question, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for and how does your life show that that's what your pursuit is? What are you hoping in to get you to what you're hoping for? Have you, like me at times, forgotten the hope we have in Christ and began to put my hope in other things? To be distracted. And it's an opportunity for us. Christmas is an opportunity for us not to be distracted, but to be focused upon the hope we have in Jesus. I want you to be mindful of that. I want you to ask that question. Maybe you're here this morning, man, you don't know Christ. You've never put your faith in Jesus. And so what you see in your life is you've been chasing after all kinds of these hopes and time after time after time after time, you're just as disappointed as I was as a kid in that skateboard. You're just as disappointed because nothing ever brings heaven about and you just keep going after the next thing. Oh, okay, well, this is the one I'm going to put my hope in. Listen, you'll never find it. It's not to be found here outside of Jesus. I want to just encourage you, if that's your life, like, listen to what Jesus says when he says, he is the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to what he says. And if you want to come to the Father, if you want to find hope and you don't have it, Jesus is the only way to get to it. He's the only one you can put your hope in. He's the only sure hope that you can have in this world. And I want you to ponder that. I want you to consider that and think about that. Father, as we come this morning, I know that for a lot of us, we have the temptation to put our hope in a lot of other things. Some of it aren't big things. Some of us are just hoping to graduate thinking that, man, like when we get that job that pays 50K a year, like everything's gonna be better. Some of us are just little kids and we're like, man, if I just get that Lego set, man, my life is gonna be full of so much joy. Like I'm finally gonna get there. And some of us, man, it's much deeper than that. Man, if I just, if I find another person other than my spouse to fulfill me, then, then I'll find heaven here. Like, Lord, like we get seduced by all of these things, all of these false hopes. Lord, I pray that if any of us in this room are putting our hope in anything other than you, then you would just show us. We'd lay that down and we'd come to you to find hope. Lord, I want to pray for anybody in this room who've never put their hope in Jesus. 
Lord, they put their hope in all kinds of other things that the world will say will get them what they want, get them heaven here, life here. Father, I pray that you just help them to see that it's not working. And I pray, Father, that you would draw them to yourself. Open up their eyes. Help them to see. Father, I pray for all of us who are believers that we would have such a hope in Jesus, such a hope to be in your presence that our whole life is just represented by, we can hardly sit still, we can hardly keep a thought in our head because we're so jazzed to see you and be close to you and live a life that uh, helps us to see you more clearly and know you more clearly. Lord, may that be the zeal of the people in this room, in this church. I want that for my kids, I want that for myself, I want that for all of us, to your glory, Lord. I pray and ask these things in your name.